Hello, this is Fed965, that's F-E-D-965, and welcome to Baby Blue Viper. Uh, I hope everyone's having a lovely Thursday so far. Um, I know I am. Um, I'm currently sipping on a uh, green tea. I added some ginger and some honey, and it is quite delicious. I'm not going to lie. Um, I also just moved um, a few plants that I had upstairs to the sunroom downstairs in order for those plants to receive the adequate amount of sunshine. I had been noticing recently that they had not been receiving an adequate amount of sunshine and you know I wanted to um you know as as they say to nip this problem you know at the bud is that how the saying is it's something like that um but you know you know what I mean um so yeah I just did that um and let's let's dive right in shall we um let's see here the price of Bitcoin is currently 29,758 USD. The block height is 737052. And I don't want to go into deeply on Bitcoin today. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Um, but, you know, there's... Um, you know, there's talks about, you know, a new BIP on the horizon and, you know, you know, you know, obviously, if you don't know the uh, consensus and mechanism about Bitcoin and how BIPs are implemented and, you know, what, uh, you know, the history of the, of Bitcoin, the block size wars, you know, you got hard forks, you got soft forks, um, you know, if you don't know the history i highly recommend you check it out give it a read and as always keep stacking those sats and it's bitcoin 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 and moving on um let's see i got a lot of things i want to touch on today but i don't want to drag on in time here so it's gonna be you know a ballet dance as they see uh, as they say, excuse me. Uh, first thing here, what do we got? Uh, this is from Axios. COVID cases rise in almost every state. Yes, I have been noticing this trend. Um, been reading about it, hearing about it. Um, yeah, it seems COVID cases are up everywhere. Um, you know, um, so be careful. You know, that's all I can really say here. Um, just reading. The COVID wave is accelerating across the U.S., with Maine being the only state to report a slight decline in the last two weeks. Um, here, so here, why it matters uh, in bold, uh, colon, a uh, 53% jump in cases and a rise in hospitalizations reflects how case growth has moved beyond the Northeast with metropolitan areas with high vaccination rates increasingly accounting for a higher share of disease spread. That hasn't appreciably changed public behavior, with one in three Americans now saying the pandemic is over, according to the latest installment of the Axios Coron Coronavirus Index. 
Um, so here's the thing. I don't want to go into deeply on this today, but um, as you know, I am uh, uh, pro-choice here. So if you want to get a vaccine, get the vaccine. If you want to get a booster, get the booster. It's up to you. Just like if you don't want to get the vaccine, don't get it. Uh, if you don't want the booster, don't get the booster. And I am, as you know, so I in almost every single case, and especially like in these terms of like governmental mandates, I am against them. I am against governmental mandates. Uh, I would say I lean to be against almost all mandates, except in certain situations, perhaps in certain exceptions, which can arise, of course, because in in a in a way, a mandate is 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 a rule. You know, to put it simply, a mandate is a rule. It's like the rule of the game. Uh, you know. Um, so the thing is, though, when you play a game, when you play a sport, you do accept that there are certain rules, right? And that's why the, um, uh, that's why it works, right? Like, it's, let's say in, in in soccer, what you know, the established rule is that nobody but the goalie can use their hands. And even the goalie can only use their hands inside the box, right? So this is the established rule of um, of the, you know, of the game, of the game. Um, and so there's that. And it's not, that in a way is a mandate to anyone playing the game. You can't play the game of soccer if you don't adhere to that mandate. Okay, and there everybody playing, all the players, the fans, the coaches, everyone agrees there's consensus here when it comes to this rule, this mandate, there's consensus, okay? So in that case, the mandate, I mean, I don't have anything against it. In that case, it's valid because there is a consensus by all participants of the mandate. You know, everyone agrees to abide by that mandate. Now, it's totally different when you're talking about, you know, let's say a mask mandate, a federal mask mandate, okay? Um, because wh where was the, um, when was consensus built? That's the thing. There's no consensus built by all participants that they want to abide by that rule, okay? It's in a soccer game. If you don't want to play by that rule that you can't use your hands, um, first, if you want to use your hands, you either have to be the goalie or you play another game, you play another sport, you don't play soccer, okay? So that's the thing where it gets, and this, this is what I'm talking about. Um, so in the US, taking the USA for example, I don't know how it is in other countries, but I'm just gonna take it as you, in the USA for example, and you can extrapolate to your own country if you're not living in the USA. Because um, uh, the basic, I mean, the basic rules apply, you know, these are, these are very easy to, you know, to, to move around, though. They are, of course, um, depends on the government, the system. Um, but let's say so there's a federal mandate. And so unless you're, you're going to be saying that nobody, if you don't adhere to this mandate, you cannot live in the USA. Is that what you're trying to say? Um, did everybody in the USA agree to this? Because these are... These, remember, these are rules that are imposed after the fact. They are after the fact mandates. It's not like if you're playing soccer, you know that you can't use your hands unless you're the goalie. Okay? But this is like, okay, two days later, new rule for soccer. 
at this point it's that um you can um you can only use your right foot new rule new rule of the game okay so everybody who plays soccer now has to either only use their right foot or they have to find a different sport to play perhaps start a different league but do you see what I'm getting here? That's that's imposed after the fact. Everyone, there wasn't consensus built that you know this is the rules of the game. Same thing with mask mandates. Okay, this is why I am very I lean to be anti-mandate. Okay, because I mean, unless you're in a very specific circumstance where the rules of the game are established and everyone um, is aware of these rules and agrees to these rules. And you're in a very iffy situation, okay? Because you're taking away um, choice from people, you're, and you're just putting, adding these rules that they haven't agreed to uh, to be a part of this system because it's after the fact. Um, now you could say that new laws are put on the books all the time, and you know that's how uh, countries still move forward. New laws are enacted and that's true. I'm not going to lie. So that's where this, this gets all very nebulous very quickly, you know, as you start thinking about it. Um, but I don't want to, I've already gotten way too deep here, way too deep. Um, but you know, I just want to say that, um, I personally am very cautious, skeptical about any kind of mandate okay uh and i hope you are too um that doesn't mean that i say again that all mandates are inherently bad because as we've seen in certain cases they can be you know appropriate and as long as everyone abides and agrees to these rules to live in that community or that society under these rules they make sense okay that's fine um but you know if people don't agree to these rules and they are just imposed upon them uh, well, that's that's not good. That's not good at all. Okay, and that's that's something to be very aware of here. Um, but that's all I want to say about that um, is just be aware that um, of uh, of what's going on, and you know, make your own decisions and and um, and just take things um, the case dependent. Case dependent. Um, that's the most important thing here. And let's uh, hope I didn't get in too deeply there. Um, but moving on, so we're, I don't even know where we were. We got in so deep there. Oh, we we're COVID. That's what we're doing. Um, let's keep going here. Um, so Los Angeles Times: Biden hosts leaders of Finland and Sweden eager to fast track NATO ascension. Okay, so this is just you know heating up. Um, we've been talking about this that Finland and Sweden want to join NATO. It seems, and now it seems that Biden wants this to uh, to progress forward as quickly as possible. Of course, that makes sense. Um, and you know, to, I know I have some listeners in uh, in Finland and Sweden, so I just want to. Uh, I'd like to ask you what you think of all this and of course you can reach me at uh www.fed965.com um but you know i'd like to hear what uh what uh what you all have to say about this um uh, my take you know all the way over here in the in the usa is that i understand that you know with uh with war on the continent and in the neighborhood of Finland and Sweden, that they are, of course, 
you know, trying to shore up their defenses and they want to make sure that, you know, if uh, things continue escalating, that they are, you know, in a in a good position. So I understand that they are that Finland and Sweden are making moves, um, you know, so that's there's that makes perfect sense um, as to, you know, um, what's. It's all tricky because you know more you know not to not to you know question or blame NATO and fin or Finland and Sweden for wanting to make this move, but it is obviously not going to be looked on favorably by Russia, okay? Because it's a, it's a clear you know you're you're picking sides, you're basically picking sides. Russia's obviously gonna gonna see this as you're not with me you know me being russia in this situation you're you're clearly um siding with uh with nato which russia you know is always is an opponent of of nato uh russia nato you know their opponents in a geopolitical sense though even this kind of thing i'm not a a war mongrel and you know so i don't want to fester this whole idea that we should always be at war and that there are always sides to be picked everyone's still a human and humans should be able to you know to coexist so this whole idea really only favors the elites who are making money off the war machine um so you know i don't want to say because obviously there's a russia is filled of just decent human beings that don't have anything to do with wanting to attack NATO. They don't view NATO as an opponent. They don't view Finland and Sweden as an opponent. But of course, there are people in Russia who do view NATO as an as an opponent, who do now view Finland and Sweden as an opponent. So that is what it is. And while we're on this whole Russian topic, uh, I know I have listeners in Russia, and I, I would just like to clarify, and I was thinking more about it, um, I know I mentioned this whole idea. There's a there's an eternal question that uh, that's always been asked of whether or not Russia is a European country, um, and I want to go back to this question because in a in a you know geographical sense it is a transcontinental country. If we're being accurate here, uh, it spans the continents. There there is a European. Uh, uh, you know, side to Russia as in that there is a land, the part of the land of Russia is, you know, geographically in Europe and geographically in Asia. It's transcontinental in that sense. Okay, so that's the, you know, the simple geography here. But uh, that's not what the question really alludes to. The question of whether Russia is a European country alludes to the idea of whether or not it shares cultural norms with Europe, okay, or whether it shares more cultural norms with Asia, okay, that is what that question really relates to. It is not a, a geographic question, um, but let's let's dive a little bit further here. Um, so, of course, you know, uh, there is a long history, you know, of of European. Um, you know, cross cross cultural, uh, you know, movement with, uh, you know, with Western with Western Russia. Um, there's no doubt about that. So the argument could be made that the influence is to such a degree that it does um, have enough cultural norms 
in that are that fall in line with the rest of uh, Europe, specifically Western Europe, that it would be considered a European country. Okay, so you could make that argument if if you really wanted to. Um, so you know, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Okay, I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna have you decide. You do the. Um, you know the research you do the you know the the exploration of the ethnography of, of russia um you know you got to do some ethnographic research here looking at you know the different languages you can do some linguistic research here and see if um if um if the you know the russian language if it shares more uh linguistic um you know similarities with um with western europe or asia um so you dive into that if you'd like and you know then you go into the whole if it's part of the whole indo-european um linguistic family um and you can keep on diving into that um you know um of course we've, we touched upon it briefly that the shares um a it is the religion, the Orthodox Christianity, obviously is a branch of Christianity. So you could, uh, you know, you could follow that path as well. Um, but um, let's not forget that there is a humongous, humongous landmass of uh, of Russia that's in Asia, and that uh, there is a, uh, you know, the amount of cross cultural um similarities um you know give and takes between russia and china and the whole steps the steps let's not forget of the enormous steps there you know that are from china to to india even all the way to the middle east the whole step region you know that russia straddles that's all that's just a mix of cultures there's so many languages different different things going on there and that clearly right there would not be considered by almost 99 percent of you know experts to be europe in any in any you know shape or form that is asia um you know clear cut so you know the whole steppe region and all that history that russia that russia shares with um with asia i mean these are important factors and so, you know, that's why many experts fall into the line that Russia is not a European country. Uh, but I say again, I'm going to leave that up to you. You do the research. You look at, at Russia and say, you know, see, where, where do you draw the line? Is there a line to be drawn? You know, what is Europe? Well, what is Asia? I mean, you're just talking about if you're just talking about geographic um, lines, where do you draw those lines? Are they just across a few mountains, you know, a river? Are we just doing that? Is that what we're doing here? Um, and and what about culture? OK, so these are just questions to be asked to ask yourself. And, you know, um, so that's what's going on over there. And I just wanted to touch upon that for a second. And, um, you know, yesterday, by the way, I, I watched the, the Europe, speaking of Europe, um, I watched the Europa League final, um, and, um, 
it was uh was a frankfurt uh versus the uh the rangers frankfurt v rangers uh and it was taking place in sevilla in uh in espana and uh you know it was a pretty good game it wasn't a great game but it was pretty good went all the way to penalties um it was 1-1 it went all the way to penalties and uh and frankfurt ended up uh taking it they uh they won um and um you know it's pretty good it's pretty good it was a good watch not a great watch but it was good it was decent um, nothing too notable that really stands out. The most notable part about the whole thing was that the stadium was packed. Beautiful stadium right, that they have there in Sevilla. Absolutely gorgeous. The field looked incredible. Stadium looked amazing. It, and it was packed with supporters from the Rangers and Frankfurt. Completely packed. They had, I mean, there had been, um, you know, reports and people saying that the entire city of Sevilla had been completely flooded with uh you know with uh with tourists and you know fans of the game everyone coming to watch that you know there would it was hard to get any kind of uh, hotel rooms and there was kind of you know people you know the fans of the um, the Rangers and Frankfurt you know it just happens all the time in these kind of big games uh, you know they got into altercations on the street you know the hooligans as they're called which are like the um you know the ultra fans on either side that you know they really like to uh, you know they to get into it with the other fans that's kind of their thing so there are just you know reports of you know skirmishes at you know i saw a video of like a skirmish at a restaurant um outdoors you know they're throwing chairs at each other before the game and it, things got a little heated i mean the, the the hooligans are known for getting heated so it's nothing really new about this and this happens around the world i mean there's no you go to south america latin america uh, central america go to mexico um and you will see um you know you will see fans get rowdy uh soccer fans get very rowdy and go after each other i mean i remember there was a report about a mexican uh there was a game in mexico i don't know about last month or two months ago where like 20 people were injured or 20 people died something outrageous happened um, so, okay, it happens all the time, and I think that I didn't see any fights break out in the in the in the stadium. So it seems like the police kept uh, the security, you know, kept it kept their cool and they kept everything in line. So I don't see any problem with it. The only thing that I saw that it reminded me of uh, of watching a um, a uh, uh, a South American game. I don't know if it was like a game in uh, Argentina. Um, was that you know flares started to go up on the German side? They started to they had some flares, um, and they did it behind the Germans were uh, were uh, there were behind the um, the the Ranger goalie at this point. So in order to you know uh, make it harder for the the Ranger goalie, they lit up uh, flares and um, all the smoke. These flares produce a ton of smoke, so it made it very and it flooded the that part of the field so it made it very hard for that goalie to maneuver that you know that's part of what they were doing too um but you know th those flares literally lasted uh like three minutes they were there because the the spanish security came in and they really uh they put those flares out you know they're not uh, they're a little strict over there with that stuff you know they like it real orderly so uh they made sure to 
to to put those flares out quick before any kind of you know more more disturbance could could occur could occur um so you know people were pointing fingers saying oh you know these the fans are getting out of control you know these german and uh and uh, what the rangers scottish right um these german and scottish fans are are, are rowdy uh um you know to to that i say no not at all i mean i've seen i've seen soccer matches that are rowdy rowdy and this is not the one of those okay it was maybe people weren't used to seeing a few you know some hooligans but uh you know it is what it is um it is what it is and they they bring their own lively at you know they, they they bring a lively atmosphere and you know i have nothing against that i like a lively atmosphere um to to the soccer match um i think it's uh it's more fun like that um so so yeah and um hats off to the to frankfurt for uh for winning and um uh to the rangers i say uh better luck next time um so the frankfurt's moving on with this win uh frankfurt moves on to the champions league next year and um and yeah we'll see if they can make a showing um if not well you know at least they got this win in today or excuse me yesterday um but yeah moving on um we're starting to run uh long on time here um but i just want i just want to just uh touch on a few more things i saw a report of uh, californians apparently are moving in droves to portugal to lisbon can you believe that didn't know that didn't know that at all at least i didn't know that it was enough that it was like people are reporting on this issue now um you know there's a lot of obviously i've been to portugal i've been to lisbon it's beautiful absolutely gorgeous one of my favorite cities in the world is actually porto uh porto uh port uh porto uh fantastic city um uh, i loved it um i love lisbon as well just beautiful cities uh beautiful country great people great weather um, so I get it. I get why the Californians are, are saying, see a California going to Portugal. Um, but apparently, you know, it's driving up rents in Lisbon, at least. Reports are that rents are in Lisbon are just have increased fivefold, you know, since this whole mass exodus of Californians, you know, has since they started arriving in uh, in uh, Portugal. So rent is just going up through the wazoo. Uh, I'm hearing reports of food prices. Not that we needed any more reports of food prices going up. Everybody on planet Earth knows that food prices are going up, 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 up. Um, so the only thing is, no, that it's it's so it's like a sad, you know, it's one of those bitter, bittersweet tales, you know. Um, of course, people should be able to move across the world. That's what, um, you know, that's what humans are for. That's what I'm not, you know, you know, I'm not one of those who, who thinks that that people shouldn't be allowed to move. You know, they absolutely should be allowed to move. I, you know, immigration is great. Um, obviously, you know, there's going to be people who are going to say, well, you know, but there needs to be checks here. You can't just have a free-for-all. And I get it. And that's what's apparently happening in Portugal. The Portuguese there, especially in Lisbon, the uh, the people of Lisbon are, you know, they're in uproar about this because 
Obviously, the Californians are coming in with a ton of money. <clears throat> Most of them are, you know, they're already wealthy, and they, uh, not all of them, okay? Obviously, I'm sure not all of them, but a lot, but compared to Portuguese standards, I'm sure they're coming in with a lot of money, okay? Um, so they're coming in with a lot of money. Uh, they can afford to pay these new rents, you know? And so the Portuguese there, they're, they're getting moved out, they're getting pushed out of their own cities. Well, it's very sad. It's very sad. Because um, with that, you're going to have a loss of culture. You know, you're going to have these Californians, and they're just going to be, it's going to be like, all right, uh, Lisbon's just going to become, you know, filled with Californians. And I have nothing inherently against that. You know, California women are some of the most beautiful women on earth. Um, there's songs written about them, right? Was that California girls? Um, yeah, that everybody wants a California girl. Yeah, you know, I have, I've had, a, you know, I had a, a California uh, girlfriend. So I, I totally get, you know, I totally get it. You know, California girls are great. You know, who knows? One day I might, I might marry a California girl. You know, I'm not going to say I'm not. I'm definitely not going to say I'm not. Um, but you know, the point being that I definitely understand as well, um, what these, you know, what these Portuguese are feeling, totally get it. I, I feel for them, but at the same time, I am for, you know, people moving and finding the place that suits them totally for that. And, you know, California, I don't want to get in deeply here about California, but you know, there's a. There's a bunch of people that are upset, that are mad about what's going on, you know, with, um, you know, the the laws, the, the rules, the mandates uh, that's going on in California, the, the prices of California. People are mad in California. I don't live in California. Um, I have been to California a few times, but it was pre-pandemic, so I can't talk to what it is like now. But what I can point to is the fact that I'm hearing constant reports about people mad about California. I'm definitely hearing that. Uh, and I'm seeing now and reading now that people are so upset about what's going on in California that they are moving left and right. They are now moving all the way to Portugal, so much so that there are articles being written about rising rents in Lisbon solely because of Californians. So that's just, uh, that's a data point right there. Um, and yeah, moving on, um, you know, I just want to talk today also about the, the pool. Talk a little bit about the pool and the, not really the motor, excuse me, but the motor's doing just fine, by the way. I know if you've been listening to this, if you're a longtime listener, you know, uh, hats off to all my longtime listeners. Um, yeah, you guys are what it's all, you guys and gals are what it's all about, my longtime listeners. If you're a first-time listener, well, you know, I love you too. I love you too. But yeah, you got to get up to the, the long-time listener status. Um, so, uh, but anyways, so the... The chlorine feeder specifically is what we're talking about here. The, the chlorine feeder. Okay, that's where you put in your chlorine tablets. I'm using a three-inch chlorine tablet, and I put about six of those. Um, hats off to Terry for uh, showing me the ropes. And uh, Garrett, of course. 
show me the ropes of uh, how to utilize the motor and uh, the feeder appropriately in order to maximize not only your uh, chlorine supplies, but also, you know, maximize your enjoyment of the pool. Um, and, you know, what I, though, have, uh, where I defer from Terry, and I learned this on my own, um, is that you know, Terry was of the school of thought that the uh, chlorine feeder should probably be around a, uh, like a 3.5, you know, getting closer to a 4 setting. Um, and here's the thing about that. Um, the thing about that is that you end up using a lot of chlorine quite quickly. The benefit, though, is that you immediately get your pool up to the adequate and ideal levels. Okay, I'm talking about your pH levels. I'm talking about your stability level, your hardness level. I'm talking about your chlorine level. Um, and the thing is, though, that... Um, it works. It does work. It definitely works. You know, Terry's method works of, uh, you know, just setting it on force. But the thing is that with the prices of chlorine tablets rising so quickly, if you put it on four, what you, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to get your uh, pool up to uh, up and going with the right levels very quickly. Okay. Because it's going to, the four is just going to immediately get it going. Uh, but then you, a month later, you're going to find that, you know, you're almost out of chlorine because the higher the setting, you know, the more you use in terms of tablets. So you're going to have to refill that feeder with more tablets. And next thing you know, you know, you're going to have to get, you're going to have to call, I either have to go to Walmart or you need to call, you know, I don't want to dox him, but uh, you got to call the, uh, you know, Terry's company here. Um, or it's not his company, it's the company that Terry works for, Terry and Garrett. Uh, and, you need to, and you need to see, um, you know, do you guys have any more tablets to sell? And as they informed me at the, when we opened the pool that the, this was the time to buy because they were already planning for, you know, a huge increase a month later. So then you have to go and call them and you need to pay what, like, I don't want to go into deeply into all the prices here. But, you know, next thing you know, you're shelling out more money. Okay, so because you need to buy more tablets. So so that's that's the problem. That's the con of using um, that method. Um, but so what I'm doing, what I did is <laughs> listen to this. Listen to this. I put the setting on 0 0.5. Okay, 0 0.5 because you can do that. You can go. You know, there's a there's a 0.5 setting on there, so I went 0.5. All right, um, and that's a slow feeding right there. It's very slow. That's a slow rate right there. And the thing is, you have to have patience because in the first few days, stay even the first week, your your not your your levels are not going to be ideal, right? Because you're not just you're not just chucking it and shocking it with chlorine immediately to bump those levels up. So you're going to have to wait it out right there with less than ideal levels. But if you can wait it out, if you can wait, eventually, like say right now, I'm at ideal levels right now. I can go over there to my pool right now, put in a test strip. I got those test strips. 
I put in a test strip and I come out with ideal levels across the board of pH, hardness, stability, and the rest. Uh, and, and the benefit is that I have used way less chlorine tablets, okay? I still have a full bucket of chlorine tablets and I am in no hurry and I don't have to even put in more chlorine tablets into the feeder yet. So right now I am at ideal setting, ideal level. I have ideal levels in the pool. I'm at an extremely low setting, okay? 0.5 setting, extremely low. Uh, and right now I'm also saving money. I'm saving money, okay? So this is it, probably saving electricity. I don't know about this, but I there there is a, um, it's possible that the if you're at a four setting that you're using more electricity. I'm not certain about this. I don't know the exact mechanism of the feeder and the rate of how it's adjusted there. So maybe not. But I think that there's a chance. There's definitely a chance that I am using less electricity. And so there is a chance that I'm even saving more money. Okay. So let that be a lesson. Let that be a lesson. Sometimes you can go on a very low setting, and if you just have the patience, you just wait it out a little bit, okay? You wait for that first week, two weeks, when you're not at ideal levels, but you wait, you wait. And then in the end, that second, third week, you're starting to hit ideal levels, all right? And you're saving money, so you're winning left and right, all right? That's a win-win. All right, and that's what we like. We like win-wins um, as much as we can, okay? It's all about the W, and the more Ws, the better. Um, so there's that. And what do we got? We got, we got, anything else? Um, it's just, that's about it. We're wrapping it up here, guys and gals. We're wrapping it up. Um, objectives for the day, so I'm going to, uh, exercise or or practice yoga. I'm not sure yet on that. I'm gonna meditate again. Um, I meditated this morning. Um, I'm gonna meditate again tonight, and I'm gonna work on my craft and my art. Um, so I hope you are also working on working toward your objectives for the day. That's uh, very important. Uh, and I gotta get going here. I need to take a shower. Um, and you know, I'm going to keep this homework for today nice and simple. The homework for today is just to get laid. That's the homework. Just get laid. <laughs> of course, this, uh, only applies to you if you are over the age of 18. Um, if you are not over the age of 18, all I can say is just sit back and wait. Um, but if you are over the, over the age of 18, uh, the homework is to go get laid. Um, and with that, I will see you soon.